Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and we've got a great show for you tonight. Uh, we're going to be joined in just a moment or two uh, by a couple of great uh, professionals joining me on the Coach's Corner panel tonight. And a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by the chairman and CEO of Golf Nation, Nick Buzzle. He'll be joining me in the second half of the show, so hopefully you'll stick around for that. Um, but let me just remind everybody, of course, we are live every Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Central here on the blogtalkradio.com network and that's 7 to 9 Eastern for those of you on the East Coast. Um, it is live, as I mentioned, uh, during the broadcast hours. Uh, but for some reason, if you can't join us and you want to still listen to the program, you can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live and just scroll down to the on-demand section. And all of the shows, including tonight, uh, will be there and the recorded version in their entirety. Tonight's show, of course, will compile at the end of the show and usually within about 20 minutes, uh, sometimes sooner, uh, it will become available in the list as well, and it will be right on top. So it goes to the most current and most recent ones uh, right on top. So uh, if you can't join us live, not to worry. Uh, you can tune in whenever it's convenient for you and just go to that link, scroll down to the on-demand section, and you'll find all of the previously aired shows in their entirety there. So, But thank you for those of you who are tuning in live tonight. I appreciate it as always. And I'm excited uh, with tonight's show. I've got a couple of panelists. I've got one here right now. Hopefully the other one will be uh, on his way shortly. Uh, they were on a couple of weeks ago and very graciously uh, agreed to come back. Uh, of course, I'm talking about John Hughes, a PGA Master Professional, Honorary President of the North Florida PGA Section. And he was the recipient of the 2013 PGA's Professional Development Award uh, and uh, Senior Editor and uh, Golf Tips Magazine Top 25 Instructor, uh, as well as he's been part of the Golf uh, Tips Advisory staff. And then more recently, in 2023, he was uh, received the Honorary North Florida PGA Section Teacher and Coach of the Year. Um, so we're always uh, excited when uh, when you guys get uh, some some new stuff. And uh, also joining the panel is uh, Jim Endicott. Uh, he's coming back on, and he's the Director of Instruction at the Royal St. Cloud Golf Links in Florida. And he has over 33 years of experience teaching people to play better golf. Uh, and he's received numerous awards, including the 2022 North Florida PGA Section's Patriot Award and Youth Player Development Award as well as the 2023 Youth Player Development Award. Uh, also, he was a former director of the Golf Digest School. So uh, we're waiting for John, but uh, Jim, welcome to uh, or welcome back, as I should say, to the Coach's Corner panel. Well, thank you, Ted. It's uh, always great to be here. I really appreciate you having me on, and uh, I'm looking forward to a, a great show tonight. Well, I appreciate it, and hopefully John will, John will be uh, Joining me shortly, uh, otherwise I'll be busting his chops, you can bet on that. 
<laughs> Absolutely, but, no. as will I. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll give him a hard time if he if he ends up making it. You know, all, all kidding aside, as I've mentioned so many times, you know, Jim, in the past on the show, I know you're uh, new this season, and, and I'm glad uh, you were able to to uh, join us this season. I'm really excited to have you on board. Um, you know, as I've said, uh, you know, so many times, it, it's it's difficult. I know you guys are are out there all day on the lesson tee and. And, uh, and and working and other uh, you know, family commitments and things like that. So it's always a, an honor and a privilege that you guys are able to, uh, you know, push away at the end of the day and, and come and, and uh, chat with me for a little bit and, and uh, expel some of your uh, uh, knowledge with my audience. It's very much appreciated and uh, certainly uh, does not go unnoticed by uh, the audience as well. So uh, appreciate that. But so here's what I thought we would do. I'm going to give John just a few more minutes and then we'll start into our discussion. But why don't you just take an opportunity? Um, I'm going to give you this. I know you're going to be coming on as a guest, uh, you know, in uh, a little bit, but um, I thought this would be a good opportunity for maybe you just to talk a little bit about yourself. So what got you? What was, when did you first sort of take up an interest in golf? Did you start relatively young? Um, what sort of got you started in this game? Well, uh, I actually started quite young. I was eight years old, and we lived two acres of land. And we had fruit trees in the back uh, field. And my father would uh, have me hit from one tree to the next. And so I would hit from the pear tree to the orange tree and from the orange tree to the lemon tree. And I would just kind of go around that back field just seeing how I could move the golf ball from one tree to the next. And uh, he kind of showed me how to hold the club and, and some reasonable uh, motion of how to swing it, and then I just went and fiddled around and and had some fun with it. So that was the beginning of my what golf. About, yeah, very similar. Uh, you and I, my father, obviously introduced me to the game, and uh, I ended up, uh, you know, obviously at some point was able to to play on the actual golf course. But uh, we had a, a very interesting uh, park up in, in where I grew up, and uh, we had many soccer fields. So we used to play post to post. <laughs> and, uh, you know, dream up a few different um, uh, whole scenarios, if you will, and uh, imagined uh, playing in the Masters as most uh, kids, you know, growing up at that age, uh, always, you know, especially when they, you know, got interested in golf, always dreamed about playing, uh, you know, with Nicholas and Palmer and, and all those uh, greats of the game. So we had a very similar uh, upbringing in that uh, respect. So what, where, what was the turning point for you, um, as you recall, from going from just sort of hacking around, if you will, uh, no pun intended, on the on the you know in the orchards and that, um, to saying, you know what, I think I'd like to be more involved in this game. How did you become a, a teaching professional? Well, uh, I became a teaching professional actually while I was in college. Uh, I was practicing at a driving range in Houston, Texas, and there was a fellow there that was uh, helping me with my game, and he kept saying, you know. You might want to make uh, make some dollars uh, helping others to to hit the golf ball, and uh, so he let me uh, give some lessons, and I had to give him a a portion of those, and he kind of roused me at that time. He took about half of it, uh, but it got me uh, got me going, <laughs> got me a chance to <clears throat> help some people, and uh, uh, in a way, I guess uh, my lack of knowledge and, and that sort, I kind of was. Uh, not very good at it, uh, but uh, stumble along and, and, and got better. 
and uh, that I had the wonderful privilege uh, a few years after college to uh, go to work for the John Jacobs Golf Schools. And uh, mm-hmm. what a great learning environment that was to work alongside some of the best teachers. Uh, we had um, teachers on our staff, and, and I got to teach right alongside with them and uh, pick their brains. And uh, I spent 10 years with the John Jacobs Golf Schools there. Yeah, a lot of folks uh, um, sort of went through that uh, similar scenario, and, and we've actually got another panelist that's been on the show, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he um, also worked uh, with John Jacobs, and that's uh, Pete Buchanan. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him or not from St. Louis, but uh, he worked uh, with uh, John Jacobs for uh, a number of years as well. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's always yes, interesting I, uh, when you listen to Do you know Pete? I do. I spent the summer in uh, New Jersey with Pete. Uh, the the first summer I was with him, I spent the winter down in Orlando, and then went there and uh, spent the entire summer with Pete. Yeah, he's a real great guy. He's uh, among one of the favorites uh, here on the panel. He's been doing this for a long time, uh, not quite as long as John uh, here on Coach's Corner, but uh, he's certainly uh, been on on many many for uh, the last several years. And uh, always, always refers to John Jacobs. Uh, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, the instruction and a lot of the, the I guess, the uh, nuggets, if you will, of of, um, of how to really become a, a really good teacher and just an understanding of the game he received when he worked with with uh, Mr. Jacobs as well. So um, obviously, he left a very lasting impression with uh, all the students and all of the uh, fellow professionals that he touched. And uh, it's no wonder he is, is held in such high esteem. All right, I think, Jim, what we're going to do is uh, I've messaged John, and uh, hopefully he'll get the message. I suspect he's probably um, still on the lesson tee. So we're going to start in tonight's discussion, and I'll uh, muddle along with you. So the the topic tonight that we're going to pick is seven critical steps to developing a winning golf strategy. So these are some steps that uh, I've jotted down here, and we're just going to go through a few, and I'll keep my eye out for John um, to, uh, to see when when and if he's able to join us. If not, then it'll just be you and I, and I've, it's not like I haven't done this before, so I think we'll, we'll be fine just <laughs> for the two of us. So the first yeah. one we're going to talk about is not uh, don't tinker mid-round, and uh, it's pretty self-explanatory. I'm just going to give it just for the audience's sake, just sort of a general idea of what I'm talking about. So one of the biggest mistakes that we see with a lot of amateur golfers is they start tinkering around with their swing during their round. I want you to sort of explain um, a couple of reasons. Number one, why that's not a good idea and what they can maybe do as an alternative. So, you know, if they're out there playing and uh, maybe they had a bad hole or a bad couple of shots and all of a sudden they start fiddling with different parts of their swing. Number one, why, in your opinion, as a professional uh, instructor, why you think that that's not a good idea to do that mid round uh, or any point really in the round. And what are some options that they should consider doing instead? think about um, it's so easy when we hit an indifferent shot we're going along and and maybe having a a good round and we're along on about seven and all of a sudden we hit a shot that goes quite a bit off target and the immediate reaction for so many players is why did I hit that shot versus remembering why they hit so many good shots prior to that and they want to fix that one with the fear that it may happen again and give even a, a worse result. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, where 
the best thing for them to do would be to just simply go to that location of that shot, uh, go through their process of analyzing the lie, checking where they're going to go, get their yardage, check the wind, and make a plan to move that ball back to a place that they can hit a good one on the next one. And uh, Mm -hmm. if they would stay away from going into the technicalities of of why that ball went off target and get focused back in on on the target, they will resume what was working well prior to that one indifferent shot. Um, if we start focusing on what may have caused that poor shot, now we've lost sight of the target. I were just playing catch with a ball, and I started all of a sudden to think about how should I have my wrist go when I'm going to toss this ball to you versus looking at your hand and tossing it to you. Um, Looking at your hand and tossing it to you, I'm going to likely hit your hand. If I start thinking about how to, I've lost the focus of that target, and there's no telling where that ball might go. Well said. And and I I think the other thing, too, I just want to sort of follow up on that. I think the other problem, too, that arises is they tend to get out of their routine. Um, You know, we talked about in in past shows uh, a lot about pre-shot routine and sort of staying in the rhythm and flow of, of your round. And a lot of times when they start thinking um, about swing mechanics, all of that kind of stuff. Um, <coughs> pardon me. They uh, they tend to uh, get out of that rhythm. So the next shot comes along, they're still thinking about what they did wrong in the last hole, or or uh, as you say, an indifferent shot. And suddenly now they're not sticking with the the you know solid pre-shot routine they've had for you know maybe the first five holes. Now all of a sudden they've shortened it or they've done something else because they're thinking about their swing uh, in general. But I want to ask you a follow-up. Is there certain things within reason that if they are clearly identifiable? So, for instance, um, if there's something that they clearly identify, whether it be something in the grip or something in the stance that they can readily identify and say, you know what, I knew I did this, is it okay to make those corrections during the round or um, leave it alone and just wait until you, you know, after the round and maybe head to the range and work on some. So obviously full-blown sort of swing mechanics, we don't want to be monkeying around, but are there some exceptions that they can make some adjustments mid-round that is likely not going to affect them too much if they clearly identify the problem? Absolutely. And in all of my lessons with my players, I get them an understanding of when their golf ball has performed in a certain way they've curved it to the right or they topped it or they hooked it off to the left what was the cause of that and i give them some sort of a drill that would improve or correct that fault and so you mentioned the pre-shot routine which is critical in the game but there's also a need for what i would call a post-shot routine And so a player hits a ball that curves off to the right, and they recognize, well, I need to check my grip, and I need to have a feeling of how I release the golf club. And perhaps they have a drill where they just simply uh, swing or hit golf balls with their feet close together. And so we would have them think that way, take a rehearsal swing or two with their feet close together to feel that club face release prior to putting the club in the bag. And now we have 
realigned ourselves to the correction and realigned ourselves to performing the way we were prior to that poor shot. Now we put the club in the bag, and when we put the club in the bag, that poor shot is eliminated, erased, the new feeling or the, the new feeling is there, and we're ready to go on and begin the next shot with our pre-shot routine. Yeah, good, good, uh, good points. And I think for the listeners out there, I think there's always um, a, an opportunity to learn. And I, I like that. The po- I'm a firm believer in post-shot routines as well. Pre-shot is certainly uh, critical to, to becoming a better player. But I think post-shot, um, you know, some may refer to it as analysis. Um, you know, whatever language you want to use, that's fine. But I think the post-shot is equally important as well because that's a good opportunity for an assessment to say, okay, what's what's happening here? What am I doing differently? What am I doing wrong? Um, as long as you're not, you know, absorbing yourself too deeply in the, in the process. Um, and this goes into the next thing. Uh, again, when you start to run into some issues, some challenges out in the golf course, it's very, very easy for your mindset to um, go by the wayside. And the number two uh, point that I want to talk to about is uh, staying positive. Um, you know, whether it's before, during, or even after a shot, you should always proceed uh, with belief in yourself and stay positive. Um, you know, getting angry over uh, an errant shot or, or putt certainly isn't going to do any good. And I think it's okay, um, you know, to certainly expel some emotion uh, within reason, I think. Um, what are your thoughts here? How do we, how do we, you know, not fall off the, the rails, if you will? How do we not take the uh, you know, the bus, as it were, or the train off the rails um, too much. But what can we do instead when when a shot doesn't go the way or a hole's not the way we want? Again, getting angry is, is counterproductive. What can we do um, to sort of expel that energy, that negative energy out of our system, and then move on uh, and, and get back into a more of a positive mindset? Well, I think it's okay to uh, <clears throat> to expend some energy um, and, and release that tension of the anger of, of, of a poor shot. The, pr- the post-shot routine will then convert you from that anger into the next step and what we're going to do for our next shot and proceed. And what I try to get the players to understand is when you've hit a ball into a situation that maybe you're not happy with. You've hit it in the trees, or it's in the fairway bunker, or it's off in the deep rough. We play this game to have fun, and we play this game for the challenge of the game. And when you've hit a shot into a, a, a difficult situation, into the trees or into the deep rough, you have just presented yourself with a challenge. So you've given yourself something of why you play this game. Uh, it may not be the fun of it in that situation, but you have the challenge of it. And then if you execute that in a positive way, now you're having fun again. So each and every shot gives you what you are out there to do, which is play the game and have some fun and overcome some challenges. Uh, So if we can always look at it from that perspective, we have a good chance. Uh, I use an example of one of my players who was playing in the regional tournament in her high school event, and she started off and through four holes, she was five over par, and she was getting down on herself. Uh, this could have cost her the chance of, of qualifying for the state tournament. 
And I pulled right. her aside and I said, let me ask you a question. You have on hole number five key box. And so you have 14 holes in front of you. Have you made a par or birdie on every one of the holes in front of you at some time that you've played this golf course? Well, yes, I've, I've made a par or a birdie on every one of them. So can you do that today? And she kind of started thinking, well, gosh, I've done it before. I think I can do it again. And she ended right. up finishing around at plus three. So she turned that difficulty, said, I'm going to challenge myself to go do what I can do, and she went on and did it. So, again, every shot gives you a chance to do what you're out there to do, either have some fun or overcome a challenge. Yeah, and, and it, it's I look at it this way, too. You know, whether it's a, a, a good shot or one that's maybe not so good in, in that column, every shot – is a learning opportunity. Um, if it's a, a really good shot, it's something that you're going to put in in you know the, the the positive box, if you will. If it's one that maybe didn't come off the way you want, it may go in a different area, if you will. But it's still an opportunity to learn from what were what were the issues, what were the circumstances. Was it just a, a miscue on my part? Was it a miscalculation? Whatever it is, I always look at it as a learning opportunity for the student uh, or for the player. Uh, to be able to draw from at a later point, not focus on necessarily the negative parts of it, but just say, okay, isolate what it was that they did differently. And as you pointed out with, with your student is reaffirm that, Hey, you've done, you know, have you done this before on the whole, have you done this on the course, what have you, um, you know, were you able to get those birdies and pars on some of these holes and it, it refocuses their energy and direction into a positive way until, yeah, you know what I did and I, I know I can do it again because I've done it before. So, again, it, it sort of redirects that negative energy and turns it into a positive, and I think that's the best way to, to sort of flip the switch, if you will. This is one, um, Jim, that um, I think a lot of folks fall into this trap, and we call this one don't be a hero. And, you know, we all uh, want to be a hero sometimes when it comes to, especially um, in our decision-making, and we see a lot of, and I hate to say it, but a lot of the boys tend to do this more so probably than the young ladies. Uh, they want to reach for the driver every time, even though it may be not the best, um, you know, uh, circumstance. And, you know, a lot of times they get egged on by their buddies, you know, maybe hit some great drives out there. I think there's other alternatives. And I think you have to do an assessment. So it's nice to be the hero, but sometimes it's not always appropriate. Give us an example. Well, I think it's uh, – we were doing a golf school just recently, and the conversation on the golf course came down to how do we hide the ego and replace it with strategy. And so we look at these shots and we say, okay, I know at some point in my life I have hit this shot, so I think I can do it. So I always like to ask that player to take a moment and say, okay, out of 10 hits, how many are going to work? And if they say two out of ten, well, that means we got an eight out of ten chance of it not working. And so often we see them hit a shot, <clears throat> their tee shot, and it goes off into the trees, and we go into the woods and we find it, and they look and say, okay, there's an opening here that's about four feet wide, and if I can thread it through there, 
I can run this up on the green. And I ask that player all the time, okay, you're in the trees right now. How big was that fairway area between the trees that you were trying to hit your tee shot to? Oh, well, that was about 40 or 50 yards. Well, you just missed a 50-yard wide target. Now you're going to try and go through four feet. Uh, let's go out on this direction here so we can hide that eagle and move on to um, our strategy of what is golf about. Golf is about hitting a golf ball a certain distance at a certain target. And note I said certain distance. It doesn't mean it's always maximum distance. Uh, we're trying right. to negotiate around the golf course that has obstacles. It has things that the designer of that golf course has put in place to deceive us, to uh, confuse us. And it's our job to overcome that and plot ourselves along in a way that each time, if you always take the assessment that I want to hit a shot from where I'm at, that I have a reasonably good chance to hit a good one, to a place that I have a reasonably good chance to hit a good one again. And so if we find ourselves in trouble, my father told me as a young young lad, if you find yourself in trouble, get out of it in one hit. That yep. ego aside, let's move it back to a place where I can hit a good one on the next one. That's more fun to hit good shots rather than rattle it around the trees for three or four and make a nine or a ten. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, if we can, if we can take the concept of I got to hit it to a good place that I can hit a good one the next time, and I'm going to hit it a certain distance that I feel comfortable I can go, at a target that is safe, I think they'll find their scores go down. Yeah, it's amazing, you know. Really, well said. You know, it's amazing how people sort of throw strategy. Um, out the window when they get on the golf course. You know, when you think of from a businessman's perspective, you know, you have a strategy, you have a game plan, whether you're in sales or, you know, um, another executive of some kind. And, you know, you put together a strategy, a game plan, if you will, of what you're going to do and how you're going to address whatever the situation may be. Um, and you execute that plan. And sometimes it, it comes off well and sometimes adjustments have to be made. Um, but nevertheless, you you uh, stick to that plan. It's well thought out and well prepared. But for some reason, even some of these same people that would do that in the boardroom, suddenly they get out in the golf course and it's like everything goes out the door. And I think that, you know, again, it's very easy to get dragged in, you know, when you're playing with your buddies and they're egging you on, oh, you know, you can hit this and you can hit this. But maybe it's not in, in your repertoire that particular day or maybe you're not consistent enough to be able to pull it off on a regular basis. So again, it sort of goes back to, you know, sort of a, a more of a course strategy, if you will, and, and course management is, okay, what's going to get me where I need to go? Where do I want to be? Let's assess the situation and do that. And as you said, put the ego uh, aside. And that's very difficult to do for a lot of people. And we see that as I'm sure you do all the time. Um, number four is one that I guarantee most people never think of. Um, and I'm going to sort of lay this out a little bit and it's people, you know, everybody talks about uh, the swing, they talk about the clubs, but very few people really focus on the shoes and golf shoes have changed a lot over the years. When I was growing up and played, they have, uh, spikes and now they've gone to 
uh, soft spikes or no spikes, um, shoes play a role uh, because that's that's what's touching the ground. That's what's connecting you to the ground. And if the shoes are not good, and that doesn't just mean just being comfortable. Obviously, that's first and foremost, they need to be comfortable. But they need, because you're swinging the golf club, and if they're not stable, and you're, especially in wet conditions, you're sliding uh, around, then you're not going to you know, execute the shot correctly. Talk a little bit about the shoes. This is a forgotten area, I think, of the game, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Well, as I began the game, we we did, just as you described, uh, we wore metal spikes, and uh, yep. they gave you pretty, pretty darn good footing. Uh, and they were uh, very stable, uh, and I actually used a firm leather shoe because I felt that it formed around my foot better and it kept me more stable to the ground in that shoe. Now, they've started to move away from leather and there's different uh, canvases and that sort of thing. Uh, I've even seen some that are now with Cortex. Um, And we now have the soft spikes. And and the, the, the key to those soft spikes is they wear out much faster than those metal spikes did. And uh, so you have to remember to change those out on a regular basis. But, yes, we need a shoe that that fits our foot properly uh, to kind of mold around it and give us that stability. And uh, and then we need to make sure that they are kept in good order, keep uh, changing out those spikes so that uh, you're not slipping as you go along. Um, I'm a big fan of the soft spikes. I think it's helped with the conditioning of the golf course. It certainly has helped with the uh, condition of, of clubhouses um, without those metal spikes ripping up uh, carpet and, and uh, uh, scratching up tile. Um, but we have the same stability in the shoes that they're made today as we had back with the metal spikes and the full leather shoes. Right. Right. Well said. You know, I think a lot of uh, I think a lot of the folks don't really factor this in. And shoes have changed a lot from when you and I were, were growing up. Uh, I certainly like the old style shoes, but I understand the reasoning why they made the changes. And uh, the soft spikes, you know, I find uh, more of a challenge. They wear out, especially when you're or they fall out. Actually, it's, it's a better way, even even though, you know, you, you lock them in and uh, they seem to, you know, I've sometimes taken them off and I'm missing three of the the soft spikes on, you know, a couple on one and one on the other one. And I'm like looking all over for them. But um, I, I, a lot of people overlook that and don't realize the importance of having good footwear. Um, Before we shift into the next, we're going to welcome our our long lost buddy. Uh, Please welcome John Hughes to the panel. John, welcome to the show. Jim, my apologies. (laughs) Clientele demands took me a little overtime tonight, but it's all worth it when we're growing the game. Well, that's, right. that's why you make... are where you are and as good as you are because you take care of that client, and that's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate the compliment. Not a problem. I'd already introduced you, John, anyways, just in the interim, but um, I'll uh, I'll deal with you later. But, no, I'm only kidding. Um, as I've said I'll, many I'll times, I've said – to it. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, you, does you this always do that. the rest of the questions? Um, I'm going to give him uh, a couple for sure that uh, he's going to answer on his own, and, and that, that'll probably take us to the end of the show anyway. So uh, you can you can take a break if you want. Uh, and, yeah, and John, ready. I, I got thirty second answers. Yeah, no, I don't think so. 
I doubt that very much. Um, that'll cost you an extra jar. That'll cost you an extra jar, by the way, John. So I'll, you might as well start working on that this weekend. Um, so tell you what, here's you what we're talking about. I'm going to have to sell it. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm happy to do that. I'll, I'll hap- happily uh, help you sell those. So, so here's, so let me just give you a, a quick rundown here of, of what we've been talking about. Um, and then I'll, I'll pose the question. So the, the topic tonight was, uh, discussion on seven critical steps to developing a winning golf strategy. So we talked about, uh, rather, uh, Jim talked about, not, you know, not tinkering uh, mid-round, staying positive, um, you know, not being a hero. In other words, not, you know, necessarily always grabbing the big stick all the time. Uh, and the last one we just talked about, he um, laid out uh, a very good case for uh, the importance of, of get, wearing good shoes uh, in, in the golf course. Uh, you know, it's not like we used to have the old spike uh, metal spikes where you really had solid stability, but it's important about that. So that's where we left it off. If you want to add to that, John, on the shoes, you're welcome to do that. But the one I have for you is really learning to lay up. And this is sort of um, uh, a reiteration, if you will, of the don't be a hero title that we talked about earlier, uh, and but with a different twist. So as an example, when you're on a par five, maybe you should consider laying up and hitting the green in three shots instead of going for it in two. Um, and... Uh, you know, some people might uh, might balk at this and think, well, you know, you might want to consider these two things. One, uh, you're more than likely not a professional hitter, so uh, that's one to keep in mind. And two, you don't normally hit par four greens uh, in one shot. So um, give us an example and really where this applies, learning to, to sort of lay up and, and why – um, some people really need to consider not necessarily going for it all the time. Give me some examples, and you're welcome to use uh, uh, some on-course examples as well. Sure. Uh, first off, with the shoes, I missed the medal because my knee needed it, and now my knee doesn't need it, so I guess I don't miss the medal. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, that, I'm sure Bill Filson doesn't miss the medal either. Um, the As far as laying up goes, Uh, It's a great question that I'm constantly on course with clients with, having them understand their odds. And everybody's odds are different based on your skill level, based on how far you hit certain shots. And I think what you have to do is realize how far can I hit a shot and be in play and have my next shot provide me an opportunity. And those, it's a very generic, very general statement, but it's very apropos regardless of what situation you're in, even off the tee box. What, what, court, what club can I hit that I can hit most effectively and leave me the best opportunity for my next shot? It was something Nicholas lived by. When we're talking about laying up, let's talk about a par four. There are some people out there that should be laying up to a very long par four because their second shot in from 200-plus with a club that they cannot control or have lack thereof control face, control of the face can put you in a situation that might be very detrimental or lead to doubles and triples. Uh, for example, at Falcons, the, one of the underlying themes of the architecture at Falcons Fire where I am is – being sideways on a hole by the green and short as much as 30, 40 yards, you're probably going to be in a bunker 
with a 30 or 40 yard blast shot, which I think Jim would agree is one of the most difficult shots any golfer can face that blast shot from 30 to 70 yards. That's a common theme. So I think you you really have to look at what your skills are with the opportunities that are around you. And if you're on a long par four and your shot's going to put you in one of those bunkers where I am, yeah, lay up. Put yourself at a yardage. Put yourself in a condition that provides the opportunity to keep par in play. Whether it's a four or five, it really doesn't matter. But then also, I just just completed an article that Golf Tip had you and the magazine will put mm-hmm. out later on this year about personal par. When you've got right. personal par, you're 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 always making double bogey. What does it matter if you lay up? You may may you may make a par by laying up. Maybe it's that decision for going for it that always leads to the double bogey. So when it comes to personal par, understanding what your capabilities are, layup, it it can be not only a smart thing, it it can be the most prudent thing you can do to lower your score. Yeah, well said. And and I think also, too, you know, the circumstances, not just, you know, the lie that you currently have, but what's around the green. If you're trying to go for the green and there's a lot of trouble, obviously that doesn't make a lot of sense to go for it. If it's a very forgiving uh, and receptive green, there's not a lot of trouble. Maybe there might be a bunker. If you're pretty tight with your bunker game, um, you might be able to get away with it and, and, and sort of going for it. Um, but you really have to understand the circumstance. And it goes back to what uh, Jim was talking about and I earlier um, is is really about course management and strategy, is understanding the circumstances, understanding what you're you're going to be dealing with, and making an informed decision based on the, the data and the information that you've collected. And, you know, I, I think laying up, there's nothing wrong. I mean, I've plenty of times I've been in situations where I knew I could very easily hit the green, but I laid up anyways because I knew there was a lot of trouble there, and I didn't want to take the chance that, hey, one of these times I wasn't going to, you know, maybe make as solid contact as I'd like, or it was going to go off in a direction I didn't want it to. Um, and a layup was, was, um, you know, and that was on par fours as well, not just par five. So I think there's a lot of nuggets in there that people can take away from that. And um, I think you uh, laid it out quite well. So John, I'm going to come back to you. As I said, we're going to give Jim a bit of a break because uh, he's, he's been talking, <laughs> he's been doing a great job here. Uh, uh, holding down the fort, so uh, we're going to throw you under the bus a little bit more. Um, so this one here is uh, called, this is number six, by the way. There was seven altogether, so the last one was five. Um, so this one we're gonna, uh, is called the danger zone. So when it comes up to a uh, whole check uh, for danger zones, if you will, take a look at the scorecard or measure out the distances uh, to where hazards lie. Um, so, again, this goes to what I just mentioned about really assessing the thing. So... Um, Give us an example. Walk us through if we're coming up, you know, if we're playing the next hole, what should we be looking for? Um, And based on, and you can just use a generic example if you want. You can use a student, uh, you know, to sort of further put the points out. But um, what should we be looking for as a player when we're coming up to that hole? And it doesn't necessarily have to be approached. It could be right from the tee box. What are we factoring in when we're looking at the scorecard or we're looking at the hole conditions? What are we looking for, and what do we consider when making the right decision? Great question. This goes back to 
something we put in the magazine. It might have been a couple of years ago. I, I advocate that you look backwards. I've been very fortunate to spend time with Reese Jones recently, Bill Bergen, both doing Macklemore, putting the outpost together. Uh, in the past, John LaFoy, uh, Tom Jackson, Tom Fazio, and George Fazio uh, really got a great education from them as to golf course architecture and some of the hidden things that staring you right in the face that you, you tend to overlook, such as fairway bunkers, having high front lips. Uh, that should be a red flag to you. These are targets. They're not necessarily something that you want to hit to with a club that can reach it. Uh, when that high front lip is present in a fairway bunker, it, the architect's basically telling you steer clear, steer to either side based on how the hole is shaped. Uh, there's a lot of things when you think about a hole being built backwards and looking backwards from a hole that will really solidify one question for you when you do look backwards at the end of a hole as you prep to play a golf course, and that is, hey, did I play this hole the way the architect made the path of least resistance intended? And a lot of people, true, having a hard time controlling club face, uh, having a hard time holding balance, which holds club face stable, can put you in some awkward situations. But understanding some small little red flags such as that one, uh, another one is what you can't see is probably in play. Have you done your due diligence with a GPS system before you got out of the cart? Have you looked at Google Maps, Google Earth, to really look at how the holes you're going to play with that strange new golf course layout? Can you find some themes amongst the golf, amongst the golf courses you play that are designed by the same architect that can provide you some hints before you ever arrive? Uh, these are all things as you prepare, as you create this strategy of seven points, when you step up on the box, you're no longer surprised. You're no longer looking at a hole mesmerized by it, asking yourself, what should I do here? I think the other thing to keep in mind as you ask yourself that question, if you are mesmerized, what is in your toolbox? What are the things that you can do that you have control over? What, are, what is your predominant ball flight, and how could it be played on this hole despite having a fairway bunker out there that does not have a high front lift that's in play? What can I do with my predominant ball flight and the yardages I normally hit clubs to mastermind my way around and keep out of those danger zones, to be able to navigate through it and give myself, an, at the very least, an opportunity to par, if not better. It's, it's literally just educating yourself, even if you've never played the golf course before, understanding who's the architect, what the golf course was built for, a community, a resort, just a public place to play, uh, what, what's the ratings? I mean, there's there's so much information out there. Before you get to the golf course, you stepping up on that first tee without enough information, I, I'm not I'm not going to be very cold in saying you should do better. So much as why not provide yourself more information? It's it's out there. Why not? Yeah. Uh, again, well said. I think the more 
information you draw in, um, you know, that increases your, your likelihood of success. And I think that a lot of people, and, you know, we touched on this a little bit earlier, um, you know, when you think of uh, a business person, and, you know, when they're preparing for a meeting or they're preparing for a, maybe a sales proposal, you know, they put a lot of effort in. They, they evaluate the situation. They look at all of the particulars that may be involved. And then they make informed decisions and they put together their proposal. And uh, But yet, you know, as we touched on, a lot of people, when it comes to going to the golf course, these same people sort of throw all of that out the window and just, you know, go all, are all over the place. So I think it's important no matter what you do, and particularly on the golf course, I think that you have to, preparation is key. Uh, preparation and obviously uh, purposeful practice is always uh, important as well. Um, Jim, I'm going to bring you back in the conversation here. I think you've, uh, you've had uh, a good rest. Uh, uh, John has done yeah, a good that job. Where's that towel? I need, I need Jim's <laughs> dude towel. <laughs> I'm here. Exactly. Wipe, wipe your brow. Uh, okay, so number seven, and there's really two parts to this um, that we can uh, approach this from. And I, and I think what um, I'm going to do uh, with you, Jim, is uh, approach it on the back end. And then, John, I'm going to let you finish up with uh, with on the front end. So on the back end, I think another great way to utilize visual, visualization, and the reason I'm going to do this is is to do it after you play around. You talked about earlier a post-shot routine as well as the, the importance of a pre-shot routine. Um, and, you know, example, and I'm going to give you one here, and then, you know, you can certainly uh, expand on, on any way you want, is, is to look at the round that you've just played and take the three best shots as an example of the day and replay them in your head and try to remember, you know, your approach, tempo, that sort of thing. Explain so the listeners understand the importance. It's not just a matter of visualizing it while in the moment, but even after round, the valuable information that can be gathered by doing that, by looking back on your round and taking opportunities to visualize what's taking place. I think it's very important to take a, take a review of your round after the round. And, and I like what you said there of thinking back to some good shots. And I always encourage the players, uh, particularly if uh, – they're not in a in a multi-day tournament, um, but they've played around a round of golf today. And tonight, as they're driving home, they reflect on all the good things that happened today. Uh, my iron play was very good, or I drove the ball well, or I made a lot of putts, and kind of replay some of those uh, as they're driving along. And it kind of just builds back into your your body the feeling of how good that was when I was on. And try to avoid any thought process of things that didn't go the way you'd like to, like them to have gone. Save that for the next day. Because if you think about it, you're tired, you maybe uh, maybe didn't score well if you wanted to, and now you have a little bit of the emotion, and those things kind of fester and build and, and uh, explode within you and, and get bigger than they really are. Let's make the good pieces bigger than they really are and remember them the day of while the emotions are good or the emotions are there, and then let's reflect day on what do I need to consider and, and work on 
to get those pieces that didn't quite perform the way I wanted them to to perform the next time. What, how am I going to work on them? So I like to go back and think about the, the good, always the good and think and visualize it uh, post the round uh, so that you take that to bed with you and then get up and think about what we're going to work on the next day. Apologies, I'm not sure. Uh, John, did you hear my question? No, I didn't. I, I just, everything phased out till now. Uh, okay, um, my apologies. I, I lost you there for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to very quickly, I apologize because we only got a few minutes left and then we're going to uh, cut off this segment of it. Um, I must have hit something, so my apologies to the listeners. So basically on the front end of the visualization, you know, we want to look at um, maybe even doing that prior to the golf course. We're playing a course um, as an example that we play quite a bit. Um, talk a little bit about the importance of visualizing the shots we might be faced with, John. Sure. It it's, should be an integral and required part of your pre-shot routine, just envisioning, A, your target. Do you really know where you're going? Can you see that direct line between the ball and your target? Can you see how the ball's flying? Can you see the curvature to it? Can you see the trajectory to it? Can you see yourself making the swing as if you're watching a movie trailer uh, of you making the swing and hitting the shot? And the more vivid you can make that envisionment, the more likely you're going to be more at ease, more comfortable, more free to make that swing. Uh, there's a lot of value to it. There's there's tons of different studies out there that that sing the praises of envisioning. Whether it's golf, uh, it can it can be almost any sport, anything that you do. But I would suggest to the listeners, there's probably been something in your life, whether it be golf related or something else, where you literally thought about what you wanted to do and how you wanted to do it, and you could literally see yourself doing it. That's what we're talking about, envisioning every golf shot that you make. And if you can do it with one thing outside of golf, there's no reason why you can't do it with something related to your golf swing or related to your golf game. Well said. Um, you know, I, I think it's, you know, as as you both touched on, I think it's extremely important to really – understand you know people just sort of you know a lot of times we see amateurs sort of just stepping up to the ball and and you know uh, giving it a swing and and hoping for the best but you know if you don't know what it is that you want to do if you haven't thought about okay what's the shot i need here you know is it a low shot is it a you know regular shot do i need to you know uh stay clear of some you know an obstacle but would it be a bunker or or some other hazard um, if you're not really putting any thought going in, then it's, again, it goes back to the preparation. And visualizing the shot just helps reinforce, even if, 
you know, and this is something that I think a lot of people miss the boat on. Even if the shot does not come off the way that you visualized together and thought about it and, and put it as part of your uh, routine, um, will help you get into a, a more repeatable routine. And then, as you know, Jim, you talked about is after the rounds uh, the next day, you know, if there's some glitches in, in your game, you can work at the, that time. But I think it's important to visualize what's going on now um, and, and trying to give yourself a, a better idea of what it is you're trying to accomplish. So whatever the shot may be or the circumstance, to visualize that in your mind. And you can do that um, whether you're at the golf course or, uh, again, if it's one you've played for, with any sort of uh, frequency, it's something that you can do. Uh, the day before, a lot of people preparing for a tournament. Um, sometimes, I mean, I guarantee professionals are doing it in a practice round and doing it well before um, they they come to an event, and they're thinking about the shots. Uh, I guarantee this uh, season when the Masters approaches, there's people that are already thinking about the shots they want to hit on the various holes. So it's uh, very, very important, and um, I think it's, uh, again, one of these things that people need to uh, increase the frequency in which they do that. But uh, some great points, and John, I was glad you were able to join us. And uh, all kidding aside, I know that, uh, as I've said many times, uh, it's important that uh, we do our due diligence on the golf course with our clients. They come first, and uh, I, I consider it an honor and privilege to have both of you here, and I appreciate you guys coming uh, tonight. But, so I'm going to give each of you an opportunity. Um, Jim, I'm going to let you go first this time. And then, John, uh, just to let the folks know the best way they can reach out, and if there's anything uh, quickly that you'd like to plug, uh, maybe an event coming up or something that you want to make uh, the listeners aware of. Ted, as always, thank you so much for having me on the show. And uh, they can reach me at uh, jim at com or on my website at royalstcloudacademy.com. And uh, we uh, really appreciate the chance to be on this show and uh, looking forward to more. Perfect, and we'll definitely have you uh, on again uh, many times this season, and I appreciate you uh, jumping on the bandwagon, as they say. Um, John, uh, best way the folks can reach out to you, and if there's anything that you'd like to uh, to plug, by all means, go ahead. Well, I'm going to go in reverse order and plug the fact that Jim doesn't promote himself as much as he should. If you live in Florida, you've got a junior golfer, one of the best-run junior golf tournament events is the top 50 tour. Uh, Jim does an outstanding job in the central Florida area. And a lot of my junior clients play his tour. I highly recommend you do so. Um, uh, Jim, what's the, what's the web address for that top 50 tour.com? Is that correct? It's top 50 junior tour.com. That's top 50 JR tour.com. And thank you for saying that. Yeah. John. No, not a problem. I, I got, I've got a couple clients playing this weekend at, that, at his event. They're excited. He, he really makes it a fun time and a, and a very professional time for youngsters of all ages and the parents, and, and I appreciate that. Ted, as always, thank you. I want to apologize to you and Jim and the listeners. <laughs> um, just got just got caught up with a, with a client who I hadn't heard from in a long time who was struggling with a lot of things on and off the golf course and just felt like, Hey, they needed, they needed somebody to talk to. And I was there. And that's what I do with all my clients. You can find me at johnhughesgolf.com, any social media with John Hughes golf. And just want to remind people, I will be going to Macklemore in May, uh, making final preparations for that. And 
have a few slots open for you to visit me there. It's a wonderful top 100 golf course, uh, one of the best 10 finishing holes in all the world, and a very customized program for you awaits you there with me. I uh, hope you can join me. There are very few limited spaces available. You can find out more at MacklemoreGolfSchool.com. Perfect. And uh, no no apologies needed, John. Uh, always uh, glad to have you on the show and, and uh, just uh, just a little kidding and ribbing on the side as, as normal. Uh, but you've, you've come we to expect that it. over the years. Yeah, you've come to, <laughs> you've come to expect and that over the I, years. So go ahead. I guess we should clarify something as far as the jars. I don't want people thinking we're transporting <laughs> across the borders illegal substances. Uh, Ted is one of the privileged few who get to enjoy a jar of my uh, spaghetti sauce once a year that I only make during the Christmas holidays. So if you can coerce, if you can coerce a jar out of Ted, you'll be able to coerce a jar out of me too. <laughs> no, I'm keeping them, I'm keeping them for myself. Sauce. Yeah, it's okay, good. It, trust it. me, it's it's good. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm going to stay on John's good list, guys. Thank you as always. Uh, it's, it's a privilege and an honor, as I said, and and I look forward to you guys joining me the next time. And I appreciate you giving of your time tonight. But have a great weekend, guys, and uh, we'll see you real soon here on Coach's Corner here in Golf Talk Live. Thanks, guys. Thank Thanks, you. Ted. All right, that was John Hughes and Jim Endicott uh, joining me on the Coach's Corner panel. Uh, for this evening, and I uh, appreciate them uh, always stepping up and, and giving their best. All right, as I wait for my special guest, we're going to hear a quick message from Golf Tips Magazine. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple to follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back, and um, always excited to uh, have the guys on the Coach's Corner panel. We always have a good time and a uh, little, little side ribbing uh, every once in a while, um, but uh, always a, a lot of good fun. And, and hopefully you guys uh, you know, are continuing to learn from some of the information that we give you on. The whole purpose, really, of the panel is for us to exchange ideas and share some, some thoughts and, and uh, uh, various tips to, to help you guys to become uh, uh, the best players that you can be. So. Um, we hope you continue to uh, uh, tune in and join it throughout the season as we uh, uh, continue our discussions on the Coach's Corner panel. All right, I'm just waiting for my special guest, and it looks like he's uh, here. So I'm going to just uh, do a quick introduction, and then I'll get him to uh, to join me on the program. Uh, my very special guest this evening is the Chairman and CEO of Golf Nation, Nick Buzzle. Uh, he's one of the modern-day media's most uh, uh, respected entrepreneurs and executives. Uh, and he is the founder and pioneer of two of the world's most valued streaming channels, Spirits Network and, of course, Golf Nation, which we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, uh, Spirits Network was launched in 2019, and they had a sort of a sneak peek of Golf Nation back in December. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and more. So please welcome my very special guest, Nick Buzzle. 
Good evening, Nick, and Hi, welcome. Hi, how are you? Thank you. I'm for doing very me. well. Um, it's my pleasure and, and honor. Thank you for for joining me this evening. So, what I'm going to do first before we get into, and I know we're going to talk about Golf Nation, um, but what I want to do first is I always like to, especially when a guest has never been on the show before, is to kind of pick their brains a little bit about uh, golf in general. So I just want to ask you, why golf? What about the game appealed to you uh, early on? Well, um, I've, I've been a golfer since I was a, a 12-year-old, and I've always enjoyed the game of golf. Uh, I found it, as I became an entrepreneur, um, harder to make time to play golf. And when we started to create um, our shopping video channels, um, shoppable video channels like Spirits Network, which was our first channel, uh, we saw that there were a, a tremendous amount of audience members of the Spirits Network that were interested in golf. And so because of that data, we decided to launch Golf Nation. And since then, um, you know, I'm happy to report I'm playing more golf than ever, um, and I've been reunited <laughs> with the game, and I feel very uh, excited to share it with the world. And as we, you know, explore this this world of golf through the lens of Golf Nation, it's really about the lifestyle and the travel and the experience and game improvement and really making the game accessible to everybody. Right. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, I, I'm sort of laughing to myself because I've had many of conversations on the, on the show over the years with um, some of my fellow professionals. And we joke because, you know, you don't get into the golf business uh, unless of course you're a tour player uh, and expect to play a lot of golf. If you're successful as a teacher professional, because you're so busy on the lesson tee that uh, you struggle to have, um, much time for yourself after a few years. Um, so it's, it's good that you were able to get back out in the links and be able to play. And I just want to very quickly, again, we're going to get into Golf Nation here in a moment, but I just want to, some of your earliest memories of the game, both, uh, you know, personally and, and as you developed into your professional life, um, what were some of your earliest memories of the game? Uh, were you an average watcher of the game? Did you follow, you know, the Nicholases and the Palmers of the, of the day, or, or what was some of your earliest memories? Well, I mean, I, as I mentioned, I started when I was a young man, and I remember playing uh, with with my friends and, and looking for ways that we could play more golf. And it became really a social thing. And, and even as, a, you know, as an adolescent, you know, you're so limited to the things you can do. Um, having, you know, your parents drop you off at the golf course was a good, you know, four, three, four-hour break. You could go out and play 18 and, um, you know, have some hot dogs and have some um, sodas and, and really enjoy it. And then, you know, as I got older, um, you know, I started to play more golf, but also realized how great it was to connect uh, with nature and really be outside and be, you know, in the, in the great outdoors and really enjoy the game through that lens as well. So as I've grown to love the game over the years, I also realized it was a game, as most people do, uh, best played frequently. And the more you played, the better you got. Right. So, um, you know, I remember that. And I also remember it being a challenge. It's, it's one of those games where, you know, one day you can do a great, you know, deal of, of damage to your clubs, to your ego, <laughs> and to the course. And then the next right. day you can feel like you were, you know, part of the uh, Tiger Woods school of, of great golfers and, and really – you know, get get your call it your 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 highs, you know, before you get your lows in terms of just great you know great drives, great putts, um, and just playing a great game. So I've, I I feel like it's it's a great humbling experience, and um, I've enjoyed playing, and I continue to enjoy the game. But I also think the game is changing, and I think consumers, and even myself, I you know find sometimes playing nine 
Uh, we joke that maybe the right. perfect number of holes is 12 uh, because it's right. just enough to, to say, you know, feel like you've, you've done it. But depending on how much time you have and, and who you're playing with, um, <clears throat> I think it's, you know, uh, it, there's a great opportunity to look at golf through the, the connected consumer as well. Yeah, and, and there definitely is, uh, you know, we've certainly in, in the directly in the industry have noticed a big change, uh, a lot of different variables. Uh, in, in how the game is played. Obviously, um, it's taken on a much more entertainment value as well uh, for the average consumers with uh, you know, the onset of uh, organizations like Topgolf and, and some of the others out there as well. So, yeah, you're, you're um, definitely right. You know, I'm, I'm just very quickly, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, what you said is, you know, how some days you go out there and you're doing some damage and then other days you're you know, part of the Tiger Woods uh, alumni and, you know, it's amazing when we talk to golfers, um, even after the worst round, they always remember that one good drive they hit, you know, on hole number X. And, and uh, that seems to bring them back for, for the next 18 or what have you, um, you know, the following weekend or the next time they get together with their group. But, um, yeah, it's, it's something that we all go through, and, and it is a challenging game, but it certainly uh, can be very rewarding and a lot of fun. So on to Golf Nation. So we talked, as I mentioned uh, in the uh, opening uh you guys gave a sneak peek back in December, and it really is the first and only producer of uh, original entertaining golf lifestyle shows, if you will, uh, that allows viewers to instantly purchase items uh, through right through their screen, uh, screen which is uh, you refer to as buy bars. Um, and just let me tell you, uh, the folks, a little bit about it, and then I'm going to ask you some specific questions. But um, So there's... Um, a number of uh, episodes of uh, various series, seasons, what have you. Uh, it's uh, commercial-free, and they average anywhere from 5 to 30 minutes, um, and some of the specials, of course, are longer. And uh, Golf Nation has referred to um, Netflix meets QVC for golf, uh, which I found was very interesting. But you t- said something, and I want to ask you about this. So based on some of the market research that you guys have done in preparation for this, what did you find consumers were looking for? What was it that you guys said, okay, you know what? This is something I think is really going to hit well with consumers. What was some of the thought process there? Well, I think, you know, when you think about golf as, as a game that has withstood the test of time, and then you think about the impact that things like COVID-19 had on golf in terms of turning new people onto the sport and getting, you know, mm-hmm. more rounds of golf played, um, than I think any other time in history, you, it brought a whole new audience to golf. And I do think that the golf industry is really missing an opportunity to market and to promote the game and the accessories and the lifestyle around the game to an audience that is not the traditional golfer. I have a lot of admiration and respect for people who are professionals and who have been playing the game for many years. And there are right. some who play golf who like it in its traditional form. However, I do mm-hmm. think there are you know, women and people of different diverse backgrounds and different age groups who would enjoy golf if it was more approachable, less intimidating, and also just through the lens of what the connected consumer is really looking for, and that is experience and food and beverage um, and beautiful scenery and the the challenge of the game um, and even playing the game with music. You know, I've, I've become the guy that goes on the course with a speaker and has a playlist right. uh, of tunes yep. that are played at a reasonable volume, but that also makes right. the gameplay a lot more interesting. And I feel like that's part of what Golf Nation is really bringing to the market, which is 
that celebration of the game through that, that connected consumer lens and really marketing and, and targeting an audience that has really been underserved, that likes the game, would play more, wants to watch more content around it, have more experiences, but doesn't have a destination. With the exception of tournaments, which all the major broadcasters have pretty much kept covered, um, they're not really marketing or promoting um, the sport to a, a younger audience. And more importantly, there's not a lot of places, if any, where you can get lifestyle-related programming. It's As we like to say, Golf Nation is everything but the tournaments, uh, but we really like to do it, you know, one nation under golf. Yep. It, it, you know, well said. Um, you know, Nick, the other thing, too, that I find, um, and you raise some really great points, is, again, unfortunately, we, we've gone through this, this pandemic, but for, for golf, it's, it's you know, uh, certainly seen some upticks, to say uh, the very least. But I think one of the, the problems that I've seen in the industry for a long time is they continue to go down the same sort of rabbit hole, for lack of better words, and always assuming that, you know, um, you know, pushing memberships and things like that. And today's generation doesn't necessarily want to be uh, beholden to one particular course. They want a new experience. They want a different experience. And they want other options. Um, you know, we refer to it as sort of a golf plus experience. That's why I mentioned earlier about the entertainment. Uh, so this is something that, you know, obviously you guys are, are looking to, uh, to really bring to the forefront. And you've, you know, uh, brought a, a, a team of very, uh, which is comprised of a lot of golf industry visionaries and, and many uh, folks that have uh, uh, been involved with organizations like NBC and Bravo and, and so forth, producers and that. And uh, you're looking to really uh, change the way uh, the game is approached. And I think that's a great thing because every generation is different. Not everybody wants to necessarily belong or even play traditional golf. Um, so when you were putting this together and you're looking and thinking of some of the talent that you're bringing that's involved as far as content, what were you looking for when you were building some of the content for it? What were some of the things that you were really well, trying to focus really on? Well, it was really to look at – yeah, absolutely. And it was to look at the, the golf experience through the lens of the audience that we're targeting, but also who is playing the game and who's playing it differently. So we have, you know, PGA players like Zach Johnson and Kim Johnson mm -hmm. um, in a funny yep. situational comedy kind of series that is hosted by our president, Susie Whaley, um, called Do, mm -hmm. Don't I Know You. And essentially, right. it's somewhat like the Newlywood game. And of all the things you've seen <laughs> folks like Jack, Zach Johnson do, um, it's something that you would not normally see him do, right? So this was kind of like, right. how can we put golf golfers and, and professionals and also influencers in different scenarios and different life? We have another great series, Golf Unseen, that's all about adventures and going around, you know, whether it's playing 18 holes and then having an amazing culinary experience, pairing with food and wine, all the way through to jumping out of an airplane to going to experience the local culture, uh, so from skydiving to, to dining to, to just going back to the course and continuing to and explore other courses, the idea is that golf is the spine in which a lot of these experiences happen, but it broadens out further than just playing the game. And as you've seen, um, and I encourage the listeners to go check out, we've got a great fun show called Ambush with David Faraday, uh, right. where we have right. David doing, you know, off-camera hijinks, um, and, and really surprising and delighting people um, all the way through, you know, the universe of 
golf courses, including in a great location like Ocean City, Maryland, where, where David surprised mm-hmm. golfers in, in several episodes of the series Ambush. So it's really about driving that overarching kind of spine of golf as the connector, but being broad enough where you can really celebrate it through the lens of everyday life and what people are really looking to do um, on their time off and when they're enjoying the game, but also when they're not on the course. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a great point, too, is I think too often um, the industry has sort of assumed, okay, well, let's get them onto the golf course. We've got everything here that they need. Um, but maybe they don't really want, the, the consumer doesn't really necessarily want to, as you pointed out, maybe play 18 holes. Maybe it's nine, maybe it's a, a, a combination of, you know, uh, 12 or what have you, and then they want to go and explore what, what is around in the area that they can do, something else they can do, and, and, and timing is a big thing. It's much different now than when, you know, when I was growing up where you had a lot more time to play you know, 18. In some cases, you know, we would even throw in an extra 18 and play 36. A lot of people's lifestyle nowadays don't have that, and I think that's been a struggle for the industry to really change. So when you're doing what you're doing now with Golf Nation, um, you're obviously targeting, uh, you know, trying to get into a much younger market than typically what the golf industry does. And it's not all about tournaments and, and that sort of thing. And we certainly see enough of that. And to go to a point that you talked about a, a few minutes ago uh, about that very thing, one of the things that I've had complaints about with the industry, and I'm not here to, I'm not going to, you know, bash it or anything, but the only exposure most people have when it comes to golf if they don't play is what they see on television and it's all tournament and the first thing that runs because i've talked to many many students about this is what's your impression and it's like i can never play at that level so it's not a game for me is that something that you sort of came across when you guys were, were first researching and obviously from your own personal experience is this something that you were discovering as well that people were not relatable to the game for a variety of reasons but number one being is it was something that they didn't think that they could go out and, and take part in because it was the representation was a very high level of the game and they weren't seeing opportunities where they could fit in. Is that kind of what you thought as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think when you watch professional golf, um, the production value of the video is very good. The, the overall skill of those players it can be very intimidating, uh, both men right. and women. Um, when you think about the, the folks mm-hmm essentially, um, that are looking at it through an entry-level point, you want something that is less intimidating than, you know, the masters, so to speak. So part of this, uh, I think, to your point, is really identifying the different ways into the game and to make it as, Mm -hmm. you know, as friendly and open as possible. And then I also think that when people play the game through the leisure sport approach versus the competitive professional sport, uh, and they learn about all of the things around the game. You know, I go back to, you know, just the experience of going to, you know, the the halfway house and getting, you know, a hot dog and, and a margarita and kind of enjoying the outdoors. Or I've gone and had golf experiences where they're making, you know, barbecue food and fresh, uh, you know, and fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. you can have a Bloody Mary on the course. And so, Part of this, I think, is really rooting it in the experience that includes the game, but the game itself should be taken lightly at first, and people should feel like there's a way 
for them to improve their game. And so that's really what Golf Nation is providing. Um, you know, we have a series called Watch by Play where we have mm-hmm. professionals um, coming on to the program. We have Stephanie Na from the LPGA um, that is also co-hosted with Brian LaRoche, uh, who has Brian Golf. And these are two people who know a lot about the gear and what you should and shouldn't be buying. And they've curated, you know, an experience of specific products for you uh, based on their own experience using them and reviewing them. So we're, we're finding that it's, it's, you know, it's expected from the consumer standpoint for it to be accessible and on multiple devices. And so we're on connected TV, we're on mobile apps, um, we're on .com right now. Golf Nation is free. You can experience it by going to golfnation.com. We're launching our app in the next couple weeks, and so we're going to be rolling out even more content, more features, more, you know, user experiences on mobile and connected TVs and desktop. And I think when you watch this on a big screen, you have that great, you know, kind of network TV feel. And then when you watch this on your mobile device, you know, on the go, right. you have that more personalized kind of bite-sized, snack-sized content experience. So depending on, you know, your level of interest in the game, and, and some people, I, I don't want to undermine the importance. If you really want to get good at the game and you want to be a pro or you want to be, a, you know, a, a, an amateur that can play in pro-ams, then I would, you know, advise you not only to watch the programming, but we have some really fun series coming out around coaching and tips um, and tricks to make your game better. So, you know, we take it lightly. We take it through that lifestyle approach, but we also have a path for those that really want to dive in and play it from a competitive sports standpoint. Yeah, I think that's, again, it's a, that's a really great approach to take because, again, the game is extremely, even for the best of us out there, it can be very intimidating at times. You know, you're, you're there. I mean, you know, probably one of the number one fears, particularly for, for women, is is going to the golf course for the first time because really nobody's explained to them what the experience is going to be like. They go there, they're you know sometimes in front of peers, sometimes they're in front of you know uh, others that they don't know, and they don't want to you know their number one fear is they don't want to look foolish, they don't want to make you know embarrass themselves. So it's very very intimidating, and I think sort of having a, a softer approach and saying okay, here's a way to get introduced to the game. Um, and and sort of take it at your own pace. Visualize watching some of the programming that you you're going to be uh, featuring on the platform, just to kind of see hey, is this something I want to do? Uh, and then you know moving on to some of the other options that are going to be available. And you mentioned about instruction and, and that sort of thing, which obviously I think is great as well. Um, and you mentioned that this is initially going to be a free platform. So is there going to be some other options uh, for more advanced uh, subscription based or that type of thing? Maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so right now we have, a, a, like I mentioned, a free-to-watch platform, and once you watch the programming, if you see the buy bar come up in the lower left-hand corner of the screen and there's something you want to buy, um, you can sign up very quickly. And what's great is that you have the ability to create the experience of being able to make an instant purchase. You don't have to do additional logins, and you don't have to create you know, different accounts on different devices. So once you've created an account, whether you're on a TV or you're on a mobile device, you can access the content and you can buy the products. It knows your shipping. It knows your billing. Uh, It makes it very easy. Right. And so that is the, call it the freemium way to experience it. And then we also are going to be offering later this year a, a box of the quarter club where you would be able to subscribe and get hand selected items that would 
help your overall experience with golf, whether it be viewfinder or it be hats or gloves or, or balls or tees, but also some surprises, including spirits and other things that we think you will enjoy um, as part of the Golf Nation uh, box of the quarter experience. So the key here, right, is, is to continue to blend um, the, the physical and the virtual worlds together and really create that video commerce experience that is easy to do on any device. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that diversity is really the, uh, the key here is, uh, again, having an all-around experience. I think, and again, not to belabor the point, but, you know, it, it's great if you enjoy watching the tournaments or if you're somebody that wants to be a competitive player, there's lots of junior programs uh, for those younger ones to, to get involved in. But not everybody's looking for that experience or even has the desire for that. So, and there's really has not been, and I'll be the first to admit it, I've been around the business for 30 years, um, there hasn't really been a lot of other options available. And uh, from what I'm hearing from you tonight and, and what I know of, of Golf Nation from uh, researching and that is really you're, you're offering um, another approach to uh, an introduction to the game while at the same time still offering some of the uh, traditional options as well with instruction and so forth. Um, you guys have received a lot of uh, praise editorial. Uh, to give you an example, Forbes.com and, and the Sports Business Journal PGA.com and others. Um, what has been some of the overall impressions or feedback from them uh, based on, on what you've done so far? What are, what are they saying about it? Yeah, I mean, I think, look, I think depending on who you are and what is exciting for you, you know, some of the traditional golf, you know, players and enthusiasts are, are not as interested in the lifestyle aspect. And for them, traditional golf, broadcast, TV, um, is better is a better experience. And for others, we've had people that have kind of come in skeptical thinking, oh, what's this content look like? And the response has been, this is beautiful programming. It looks very premium. It's very well produced. Uh, it looks and feels like something I would see on a Netflix or a major network. Um, and I think some right. people come in thinking it's YouTube, and then they realize that it's not. And, and, I, and I overall have heard nothing but really positive comments around, you know, I watched a few shows, I really got stuck there for, mm. you know, 20 minutes, or I, you know, I didn't realize that, there, you know, I could, you know, watch a show like Tee Shots that was bourbon tasting um, and a three-chip contest closest to the whole wins a bottle of bourbon um, where we could combine a crossover series like that um, from our first mm. network, Spirits Network, which is basically like food network but for beverage alcohol. So, you know, the science, the history, the culture – um, the, the story behind the cocktails and the products, um, where there's crossover to golf. And, you know, spirits and golf go together like peanut butter and jelly. Um, right. And I feel like <laughs> when you think about, you know, the way in, so to speak, you know, you might get a bourbon mm. fan that didn't realize that there was a golf network. You might get a golf fan that didn't realize there was a bourbon network. But the key here is to really create enough different types of programming that really appeals to, to everyone in a way where they can come in and they can get, you know, that first, that first premium experience and have that instant path to purchase of, of what they see. Right. Uh, again, well said. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for, for crossover here, um, not just between the two networks, but in other areas as well. And it's just a matter of really exposing, um, you know, folks that maybe typically uh, would not be, um, you know, the general target market of, of, our, of our industry. And that's really what has gone on. And, 
and you know one of my biggest concerns you know through this last few years um you know golf was you know it depends on who you talk to but you know simply say well golf was on the decline and they got a shot in the arm no pun intended you know with with the uh the pandemic and, you know, to rise up and what, which is true to some degree. There were a lot of people new to the game and also some folks that came back. Uh, my biggest concern was how are they going to handle this new surgence of new players, particularly how, are they, what are they going to do differently? And it sounds to me from, from what I'm hearing, um, you guys recognized this opportunity and said, look, you know, we can keep going down the same path with, with, you know, golf and the various industries or, we can offer something new and exciting and different uh, that has not been done before. And if I'm reading things right, that sounds to me is what you're really offering here, correct? Yes. And to that point, you know, part of this is really rooted in how do we create that ongoing integrated experience where it's story first and sales second. And I think the overall mm-hmm. consumer experience with streaming media needs to improve, and so we've really focused on doing that through Golf Nation and through our other channels that are, you know, video commerce based. But the key, really, as you said, is to keep the game relevant and exciting, and to be able to drive a consistent engagement. And I think the data that we've seen over the last, you know, let's say year has indicated that golf right. still has a lot of work to do. Um, even though there's yes. more people interested in the game than ever, um, I saw some data that showed that, that actually rounds of golf decreased uh, last season mm-hmm. versus what you'd seen in the pandemic era. So I feel like there is some perception of golf the way golf always has been is, is fine and, and there's nothing to worry about. But I think if you look at the data and you really talk to consumers who are you know, new to the game, they're still on the fence. If, it, if it's easy to do and it's fun and there's an element of, of sportsmanship but also that lifestyle and leisure element to it and, and they can play, you know, and not feel like they're, you know, in a stuffy environment, I think you're going to see a lot more right. golf. But if it kind of goes yep. back to traditional golf, only talking kind of inward um, to the traditional golfers, I think they're missing, you know, the golf industry is missing a huge opportunity to get that future golfer hooked and give them every way to play, you know, whether it's, you know, look what Top Golf has done, you know, look at what other golf, you know, simulator experiences like Five Iron Golf has done, you know, with food and beverage mm-hmm. and, and, you know, bringing people to the game in a very casual setting all the way to, you know, creating that, you know, on-course experience that, you know, whether it's a scramble-style play or it's nine holes or it's, you know, shotgun-style, you know, the idea here is that, the game within the game can be celebrated and made very, you know, fun and exciting and fresh. And I think that's part of it, but you got to really know what regular consumers are thinking and doing. And I think, you know, when you think about the expense of golf and you think about, you know, you know, the fact that more, more courses in the U S are public than private. Um, there's a difference between country club golf and public course golf in a lot of ways, but the game itself is what I think gravitates um, you know, and, and pulls people in to to get them excited. But to keep the treat, you know, the key is to keep them there and to give them a reason to come back. Mm-hmm. And I think you said at the top of the the podcast that uh, you know that last shot. I always joke when I ever make one of those great shots, those great drives. Um, that's the shot <laughs> that'll keep you coming back to the casino. You know, right, right, exactly. And, and you know, I when I play, and I'm much like you were for a while. You know 
work keeps me busy and don't always get the opportunity to play as much as I'd like to. Um, but, you know, when I have had the opportunity to go around I, and, uh, you know, got a chance to, to not only play myself, but uh, to listen to some uh, to some younger folks. And, you know, it, they're excited in that. And they're not your typical golfer that goes to, you know, say the country club. And for them, it was a fun and an exciting experience. And I, I think what there's room for, for everything. I think everybody has, you know, again, depending on what your, your interests are, uh, there's room for all. And, and unfortunately, golf for a long time was very closed off to the average person. Um, again, price costs uh, have been a, a big factor. But as we talked about earlier, is with the traditional networks. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. It's great to have professional golf on there. We enjoy, I you know, watch it whenever I can. But at the same time, if that's the only representation that's being projected out there um, and, you know, the marketing for equipment and things is such that it seems very unattainable for the average consumer, then it becomes a turnoff. And so I agree with what you said. I think golf has needed to find a way of reaching new markets that they've never reached before. But more importantly, they need to invest the time, money, and efforts to be able to keep them there and not just shuffle them into traditional formats like the, um, you know, the junior programs and, and the traditional uh, golf uh, areas that, that they've done for, for many decades because they're going to find very quickly, as it's happened in the past, is that the numbers are going to continue to dwindle. Um, so here's a great opportunity been given to the golf industry, and I'm uh, excited to hear what you and your team uh, has uh, has been, uh, you know, preparing to, to launch and, and getting out there uh, to do that very same, uh, you know, thing and, and getting them, uh, getting new people to the game. You know, we talk about in this industry about growing the game. Well, here's a great opportunity to do that. Um, it's still fairly early on in, in this venture, um, and every business goes through sort of a trial and, and error period, if you will. What has been some of Golf Nations? That you've, you've sort of done the, the research. You've really looked into things. What are some things that you're understanding better now than you did when you first thought about putting this together? Well, I think, you know, part of the experience and what we have seen um, in terms of navigating the industry is that uh, many people are resistant to kind of change and innovation. And I think a lot of, um, you know, the folks who are marketers in golf, and we experience this a lot in the spirits industry as well, is that it takes right. a lot of education and, and getting people to kind of think through a different lens. Um, you know, there are some people who, have seen the work that we've done on the Spirits Network side and, and have said, wow, this is really, you know, proof is in the pudding, amazing job, you know, let me get involved, right? And then others have taken a kind of wait-and-see approach. You know, the idea here that we've created the destination for golf lifestyle with a layer of, of commerce or shoppability um, is no easy task. And, I, and what I encourage the golf marketing industry to do and, and, the, and the, even the non-endemic folks who want to participate in the golf industry is to look at our innovation and embrace it. And, and by helping us mm -hmm. um, market and advertise our platform and, and gain more, you know, traction with users and, and audience, it's really building and owning an audience. And I think a lot of uh, marketers and, and folks in the golf industry, um, you know, they, they do Facebook, they do Google, they do, you know, SEO, SES, yeah. you know, they're really renting 
their audience. And what we're trying to get the industry to embrace is to own an audience and to own them on a platform like, like Golf Nation, where not only can we learn about what they're doing and what they're in line, you know, what they enjoy, but we can take that data and we can create really relevant programming and really relevant product mm-hmm. offering and make it feel very personalized and customized. So the more that we continue to learn the industry and kind of where some of the white spaces and where some of the blind spots are, uh, the more that we continue to kind of craft our story. And what we've seen is, you know, we've, we've pitched, you know, brands early on, and, and now we see them coming to us more and more, seeing that the, the platform has launched in a sneak peek format. And we're excited to show what, what else we have behind the scenes. We've been hard at work creating, you know, over a dozen original series, you know, multiple episodes. We have some really great announcements coming with some new distribution partners where we're going to be front and center on, you know, a bunch of connected TVs. And we see this, this owning the living room opportunity with this commerce experience being really the future. And, you know, the, the TV has really become the new cable, and these TV manufacturers right. have essentially created an app experience. The TV is acting more and more like the mobile phone. And even though mm-hmm. I think a lot of people read and hear data that says everyone's on, you know, mobile watching video, the truth is, is TV consumption and streaming TV from an engagement time and the time spent is almost four times uh, that of mobile as it relates to video. So the other part to right. it too is I, you know, the data is only as good, you know, as the delivery and who really understands uh, the data. So I, I let the data guide us, but I also encourage you know, the industry to embrace innovation and to, and to help companies like us, um, you know, take risk and, and try new things and, and celebrate the game in a way that um, the modern and connected consumer is expecting it. Yeah, I, I agree. The, you know, the, unfortunately, the industry in, in the past has typically, and it still is to a certain degree, I think they're slowly warming up. And, and I, with a lot of industries, as you mentioned, the spirits is, uh, was probably very similar excuse me, an experience that, uh, you know, early on in the phase, uh, you know, where there is a reluctance to change. And I think that, uh, you know, the status quo sort of remains. And I think, you know, this is where it's more important really to tap into that younger generation because they do uh, stream a lot. And, you know, older folks are starting to get more into it as well. But, you know, the younger generation look and approach things much differently. And there's a lot that we can learn from them. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's often you know, said that, well, that, you know, they're, they're inexperienced, whatever. But I can tell you, when you look at some of the innovation that's coming out, um, the real innovation, it's coming from the younger generation. It's being pushed. And that's why a lot of the bigger organizations, uh, even outside of, of what we're talking about, are targeting that market because they see the innovation, they see the opportunity uh, to really engage. And I think the other thing, you know, as I mentioned earlier, is, you know, a lot of the new golfers are looking for that golf plus experience, but they're looking for a way of engaging. It's not just all about watching. It's also interaction they're, They want to interact with other folks and, and things like that through their experience and not just necessarily on the golf course. So again, and, and having that buying experience, if there's something they're really keen on, you know, they're going to have that opportunity through your platform as well. So you, you've, as we mentioned a few times, you, you did the sneak peek. Is there, 
Is it considered to be officially launched yet? Is there a full launch coming up in the in the weeks and months ahead? Give us an idea of what people can expect uh, throughout the rest of this year. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one thing I wanted to add, you know, as you were talking, it, it brought up another good point, is really building a, a strong community. You know, we believe that, right. you know, content, community, and commerce uh, is what is going to make this long-term successful. And playing the long game, and really looking at this through consistent engagement and giving consumers different ways and different reasons to come back and check out our programming. So much like the TV network and much like, you know, streaming networks, we're launching new programming every day, every week. We're, we're licensing programming and curating programming uh, for the community. So you can, you can expect a lot from Golf Nation to come. We have, like I mentioned, more than a dozen original series, um, you know, with between – you know, six and, and, you know, 25 episodes per series. We have new surprises in store with new talent and new points of views on the game. Uh, we have the app itself is not officially launched. It's been in sneak peek mode, and we anticipate mm-hmm. officially launching um, in April where we will be okay. making some really strategic announcements with some of our distribution partners, and we'll be releasing more content. We have some great series that are currently in production um, that we'll be releasing along with the larger launch. At first, it will be available in the Apple iTunes App Store and the Android App Store as a mobile app. Uh, Again, free Mm -hmm. to join. Go to golfnation.com. If you sign up to the Golf Nation newsletter, uh, we we promise not to overwhelm your inbox. We're actually very mindful (laughs) in how many emails we send out. Uh, But we will keep you up to date on the release of the app and release of our CTV uh, and and kind of connected TV app. Uh, We'll also be launching on Apple TV um, and a variety of other connected TV devices um, where you'll be able to see Golf Nation front and center. And as as I mentioned, you know, there's more in store. Uh, Once we roll it out officially and kind of have a grand scale distribution uh, point, we also will be adding more exciting features and more content. Um, and more gamification of the experience. You know, as I mentioned, the game within the game. So we have a lot of exciting things ahead. We have an awesome team, uh, you know, led by Susie Whaley and um, supported by some really great storytellers and some really great marketers and brand builders. And we we want, you know, to keep the the game, you know, fresh, and we want to keep the industry guessing a little bit uh, because that's what makes it fun, right? I mean, we we are – Sometimes we feel like we're Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory, um, and then in other times we we recognize that um, you know everybody has a, a, a an earn and a yearn to be able to see you know more more more. But uh, we would rather be quality uh, over quantity uh, any day. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, you want to you want them guessing and, and coming back for more and and uh, so yeah, you have to slip on your poker face every once in a while and just sort of. Uh, let the cards unfold as they unfold. Um, well, I think it's fantastic, Nick, and, and I really appreciate you coming on and, and uh, giving us a sneak peek uh, to my audience as well um, with things to come. And I'm going to uh, sign up for the newsletter, and, and I, I really appreciate the fact that you pointed out that uh, you're not going to bombard the folks because that, that's a, you know, obviously a big turnoff for a lot of people when they get into these uh, newsletters and they're constantly getting their inbox full. So that's nice that you guys are being conscious of that and, and respectful of that. Um, and I'm going to look forward to seeing as things progress and, and launch. And I did go on and actually watch uh, 
uh, episode one with uh, Susie and the Johnsons, and uh, it was quite entertaining and very interesting. So definitely uh, uh, you got some some winning talent uh, on, on the network for sure. But uh, very quickly, one more time, uh, where the folks can go to get more information. Thank you, and I appreciate you having me on, and I encourage you and everyone to stay tuned. There's a lot more to come. Um, again, free to watch, golfnation.com. Sign up. Um, once we launch the apps, once you've registered on .com, you can access the app just like you would any other app. Same username and login and credit card info. And you also, um, once you authenticate one time, you're good to go. So uh, check it out. Uh, we hope to hear from our fans. We hope to hear feedback from the consumer. Tell us what you want to see. Tell us what you're excited about. Um, we really believe that we can build a community destination with premium quality content direct-to-consumer purchase, uh, made easy and fun. And uh, I appreciate you and the listening audience uh, giving us a shot and um, helping us spread the good word about Golf Nation. Sounds good. Again, golfnation.com, all the information's there and some good uh, entertaining uh, value for sure. Nick, thank you very much for taking time and, and uh, speaking with my uh, listening audience. I know that they uh, will enjoy it, and uh, I look forward to uh, seeing some of the other uh, updates and, and things to come in the future, but uh, much continued success, and uh, we definitely have a winning formula here, so I appreciate you coming on and sharing it with me tonight. Thank you so much. All right. You have a great evening. You too. Bye-bye. All right. That was Nick Buzzle, the Chairman and CEO of Golf Nation. Uh, again, you can go to golfnation.com to get more information and to sign up. And uh, it is uh, currently free, and obviously it will be offering some other uh, options as things uh, progress. Uh, so definitely we'll keep an eye out for that, some uh, great entertainment value as well. Uh, and uh, it sounds like they're going to have some opportunities to uh, learn uh, more about the game uh, as more unfold. So I hope you'll stay tuned for that. Uh, again, special thanks to the guys earlier, John and, and uh, Jim, for joining me on the Coach's Corner panel. I uh, look forward to uh, having them back on as well. And, uh, again, a uh, special thank you to tonight's guest, Nick Buzzle, Chairman and CEO of Golf Nation. On that note, uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. God bless, and I will see you next time right here on Golf Talk Live. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. We'd like to thank this week's Coach's Corner panel, and a special thank you to tonight's guest. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.